Acts chapter 9, starting in uh, verse 1. And we're going to read quite a few verses here. Um, It says, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any that of this way, which were Christians, whether they were men or women, he might bring them in bonds to Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth, and he heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. I've underlined these next words. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, can you imagine how much trembling and astonishment there was going on here when he's been tearing the church to pieces and he finds out that he's on the wrong side of the fence? Uh, What will thou have me to do? I mean, God didn't kill him, so God's got a reason. (laughs) You know, there's something to think about. If you go through something in life and it didn't kill you, God had a reason for letting it come into your life. Now, it could have been chastisement, or it could have been a learning curve that he's putting you through. But it's important to figure out what he, you know, he said, uh, what will thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. So he had his first marching orders. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul rose from the earth, and when his eyes were open, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. And he was there, he was three days without sight, and neither did eat or nor drink. And there was a certain disciple of Damascus named Ananias. Uh, and to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And, he, and the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire into the house of Judas, of, for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias uh, coming in and putting his hands on him that he might receive his sight. And Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man, how much evil he has done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and unto the children of Israel. For I will show him how many great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Notice something in that phrase. It's not going to be the key of the lesson, but for I must, I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Saul, as Paul, when he was Paul, he reaped everything that he sowed as Saul. He had people imprisoned. He was imprisoned. He had people beaten. He was beaten. He, he had Stephen martyred. He had others martyred, and church tradition tells us that Paul was martyred. So he reaped everything he sowed. The trouble is, he, when he, as a saved person, he had the grace of God to help him with to go through those trials. 
we all reap what we sow, but if we're not saved, we have to we reap it or we sow it, and then we have to reap it, and we have no comforter. We have no help. But so you wonder why the Apostle Paul was able to do more than all the other apostles together. He knew what he had done, you know, and he knew how much was forgiven. And then later in his life, he was stoned and left outside of Lystra for dead. And most church tradition teaches that he truly was dead and he went up to the third heaven and saw things that weren't proper for a man to talk about. So not only the other apostles saw the resurrected Lord, Paul saw heaven. And the more you got your eyes on Christ, the less this world has an appeal to you. And the more you're willing to do for the Lord. But Saul reaped what he sowed. He was forgiven. He was saved. He had the grace and the power of God on his life. But he reaped what he sowed. So we just need to always be careful that we're sowing as many good seeds as we possibly can. And Ananias... Uh, went his way and entered into the house and put it in his hands on him, said, uh, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way, as thou camest, hast sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received his sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened, and when... And then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus, and straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues that he was the Son of God. Now, I want to go back and look at verse 5, and it says, And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Now, the best example I've been ever told of what the pricks were was you, you'd have a team of oxen and you might have one that was a younger oxen who wasn't used to putting his shoulders into the yoke that went over them. They'd have a, a padded yoke that went over their shoulders, had straps and stuff that would tie it in. It'd be a either a tongue that came back and hooked to a cart or hooked to a plow or it could be a rope, a real thick rope it attached to the yoke and but the thing is however however many have ever known someone's a little lazy or don't really want to go the way they're supposed to go you know like maybe teenagers and stuff you know we pick on them all the time but some of us older folks are just as guilty well the thing is especially a younger oxen who wasn't used to the work he just wouldn't put his strength into it so he was making the other oxen do all the work Well, they had a way of getting around that. Back behind them, just out of range of their hind flanks, would be wooden spikes coming out of that cart. Now, if you're pulling right along with the other oxen, no problem. But if you're kind of slacking off on putting your shoulders into that yoke and letting the other oxen do it, He's pulling, the cart goes a little this way, and you get those spikes right up your backside. And so what would you do if you got a spike right up? You know, it was meant to get you to, yeah, you know, put, let, let's go forward, you know. You know, it, it, that, that kind of hurt, you know. So, you know, and of course, if the other ox had any sense of humor, he did really give it a good jerk, you know, and uh but uh, the thing is, it was meant to get you to work together as a team. 
And then also, if a young oxen didn't want to mind, and he, you know, he's we're trying to go down the road here, and he sees some green grass over here, and so he decides to go this way. Well, he twists the cart just a little bit. The, the pricks get him in the backside again. And so, little by little, he learned to go the straight and narrow, work together with the other oxen, and follow directions. Well, if you get pricked in the backside, that hurt a little bit, right? But it only hurt until you push back, you know, into the harness. But what happens if you kick the pricks, which is what, uh, you know, if you were a stubborn ox, you, you, yeah, you know, you, you, you poke me in the hiney, I'll teach you something, you go and you, you're going to kick it. Now what did that prick do? It has really tore you up. And so that's what the Lord is telling Paul. He said, and Jesus said unto him, thou, um, he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Now think with me this way. Is Jesus saying don't kick against the pricks or is he saying you've already been doing it? What is he saying? He's saying you've already been doing it. So that means that there was something going on in Paul's mind that he already knew he was on the wrong side of the fence. There was something going on in his head that he already knew that there was something about this Christianity that I ought to be investigating. But he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, he says in one of the books of the Bible. He'd been raised, you know, he was a Jew of the stock of Benjamin, a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was really indoctrinated into this doctrine. And just to throw that all off, well, pride got in the way. And so he was kicking against the pricks. And I think I can prove that to you to a degree. Um, go with me, if you would, to Acts chapter 6. And in Acts chapter 6, the, um, the thing is, the kicking of the pricks in, the, in, the, in a spiritual realm would be this. It's conviction. You're being convicted in your heart that you're not doing right. But you get the conviction, but you're not surrendering to it. You're not humbling yourself to it. What are you doing? You're kicking against it. And if the pricks hurt a little bit when they jabbed you, that's one thing. But when you go kicking on them, they tear you up. But that pride gets in the way. And we see here with uh, the the ministry of the uh, disciple or the deacon Stephen. And uh, we look in verse... um, Let's look at uh, verse 10. He had been giving... um, We'll start in verse 8. It says, And Stephen was full of faith and power and did great wonders and miracles among the people. And there arose certain of the synagogue, which was called the synagogue of the Libertines and the Cyrenians and the Alexandrians, and of them a Cilician of Asia disputing with Stephen. In other words, these were Jews who weren't accepting Christianity. But here is Stephen, full of faith and power, in verse 8, 
did great wonders and miracles among the people. I mean, how many people do you got to see that were totally crippled, that were part of your family, miraculously totally healed, and yet, yeah, but I don't believe that. You know, and the blind, you know, and you get their sight back, yeah, but I ain't going to believe that. Uh, you know, a person is deaf and dumb, and all of a sudden they can speak and they can hear, but I ain't going to believe that. You know, Jesus, there's no telling on those feast days how many thousands of people got healed during those services there, and yet the Pharisees didn't want to believe it. Uh, it, it goes to show how prideful people are. And it says uh, in verse 10, it says, And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. Think about that with me here. You think that could have been a little bit of a prick? On his convicting power, I mean, because later we'll find that um, Paul's with this group. In fact, he's with them when they stoned Stephen. In fact, he held their coats, and under the Jewish tradition, the one who was bringing the indictment against somebody who got stoned, the person who was the prosecutor, you might say, they were the ones that held the coats. So Paul, or Saul at this time, is totally behind this. And yet he couldn't, they couldn't resist his wisdom. I mean, they'd ask him a question. Well, how could Jesus be, Jesus be Messiah and save for this reason? And he had a perfect answer for him out of the scriptures. And they couldn't, they couldn't find any fault in it. Then we go to verse 15 and it says, and all that it said in the council, um, let me find it. Yeah. We'll look at verse 11 verses. And then they suborned men, which said, in other words, they bribed them. They bribed some men to say, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and came upon him and caught him and brought him under the council. Do you think in the back of your mind there would be a little prick in your conscience that, the only way you can move this case forward is I got to bribe some people to lie about them. I mean, you're supposedly a Pharisee, you're a religious leader, and yet the only way I can move ahead with this prosecution of this Christian is I got to pay somebody a bribe to lie about them, several people to lie about. Them. I think there would be a little prick going on there in your conscience. And then in verse 15, and all they that sat in the council, looking steadfastly on him, saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. Now, I don't know what the Lord did to make his face radiant or so, or so at peace. I mean, here's all these people threatening to do all sorts of stuff. I don't know what exactly they saw, but there was just something. They knew there was something about this man. They'd seen the wondrous works. They heard his wisdom and in the spirit that he answered their questions to a point that they had to get people to lie about him. They bring him into this council where they're going to try to prosecute him to a point where they can murder him. And he's got the face of an angel. I, I think, again, there would be a little bit of a pricking of the conscience going on here. Um we go on and we see uh, in verse, uh, go to chapter uh, 7 and look at verse 54. We won't take time to try to read the whole defense that Stephen gave of his ministry. But in 54, 
And when they had heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. In other words, he gave such a defense of the gospel and put them in their place as far as how they had rebelled against the gospel of Christ. They literally were gnashing on him with their teeth. I mean, that's hatred, isn't it? I mean, what would drive you to do that? What would, what would so make you so berserk? I mean, that you're doing something like that. Is that not the pricking of your conscience? I mean, there's just so much. I mean, you know you're so wrong and you just want him to shut up. And, and he's out there and they're doing that. And then we see um, in verse 55 through 60, uh, his murder. Um, we pick up in verse 55. And being full of the Holy Ghost, he looked up steadfastly into heaven, this is Stephen, and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at his right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. And they cried with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their, clo their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon... And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeling down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin against to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Is that natural? If you're sitting there stoning me, you know, and I ask God, don't lay this to their charge. Is that is that the, the the natural man? No, that ain't the natural man. That's that's a man as close to Christ as you could probably get, because it was the exact same things almost our Lord said from the cross: "Forgive them, for they know not what they do." And so, again, do you think that pricked Saul's consciousness a little bit? Everything about the life of Stephen and the conviction. Yet here he goes, and he asks for documents so he can head off toward Damascus to get more Christians. And so no wonder the Lord Jesus Christ told him, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. You, you know you're wrong. And, uh, and so we pick up the deal. Um, go with me if you would, and I want to talk with you a little bit about us saved folks. In Hebrews chapter 12. You know, that's, that's how the laws... How many of you have ever had lost people get kind of upset with you when you witnessed to them. Yeah. Tommy told me before, uh, early on, he said, if you don't quit witnessing to me, I'm, I'm going to quit. I'm so thankful he got saved. Uh, you know, he, um, but I've also, I've had, uh, I've had people meet me at the door of a gun. Uh, I've had people, uh, look at me with disdain and say, we don't cotton the Baptists. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Th just different things going on. Uh, you, you just never know, but there's so much resistance to the gospel. How many of they tried to change the subject to try to do, go to your family. Do they know how to push your buttons? You know, they know where, you know, where the kinks in the armor is and they try to get you off message and stuff like that. These people got so bad that they gnashed on them with their teeth and stoned them to death because they didn't want to hear the gospel. 
It goes to show just how bad people really don't like having their sins pointed out. But we see in Hebrews um, chapter 12, verse 6, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. These are talking about God's children. And scourges every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure, cha- endure chastising, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then ye are bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our own flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much more be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For verily, for a few days they chastened us after their own pleasure. But he, for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Um, God's going to come talking to us sometimes. Because we're not where we ought to be all the time. We're not where we ought to be maturity-wise, spiritually-wise. And God finds a way to come talking to us. The thing is, um, let me turn a page here. It's always good to stay with your notes. It keeps you off the rabbit trails. Um, you know, let me ask you this. When you get corrected, however, whenever you're young, when you're older, it could be an employer, it could be anything, your wife getting you all straightened out, uh, you know, whatever it is, but what what's the natural person's attitude toward that? Not not too happy, is it? Pride tends to kick in, doesn't it? You know, it can it, it can call kick in when we allow that natural response to happen. What are we doing in the context of today's lesson? What are we doing? We're kicking against the pricks. God pricked us a little bit because we're not who we should be. We're not acting like we should be. We're not where we should be, maybe. Uh, Our attitude isn't what it should be. It it could just be a lot of different things. And God's, you know, we're not not in the work like we should be. We're not putting in our shoulders into the plow and and the pricks get us. Then we got a choice. I I had a, a dear friend of mine one time, we were working together and he had to duck underneath a steel pipe. Well, it had a bracket on it, a metal bracket, you know, with sharp edges. And I was off at a distance. We were in a plant, and you couldn't yell loud enough to warn him anyway, but I could see he was coming up too soon. And that corner of that metal bracket hit him right in the back of the head. You know, you know how that feels? Can you, can you picture that, you know? That sharp metal bracket, just, and you're coming up kind of quick, and you just whack your head. It just hurts, you know? Well, the thing is, he's sitting he's rubbing his head and everything like that, and he's looking at that bracket, and he gets mad, and he hits the bracket. Then he's sitting there looking at his hand, <laughs> you know, and stuff like that. You know, that old human flesh, you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you back. And, and the thing is, that old bracket just really didn't care, you know. <laughs> you know, and, it, and that instant... You know, hitting it back for just a second, it felt good. And then after that, it didn't really feel good at all. And, and the thing is, when we, we get chastened by the Lord, and we all do, the Bible says if we're saved, he chasteneth every child. Um, because we're not what we should be. We've got a choice of what, how we're going to respond to it. Um, you know, pride, uh, 
You know, I've used this saying several times. I heard it years ago. It stuck with me. There's lots of things that get us in trouble, but it's usually pride that keeps us there. And the thing is, we, we just keep kicking against those pricks, and we won't admit it. We won't get right with it. Proverbs uh, 16, verse 18 says, pride, pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. You know, the key is, in our life, we have to ask ourselves, which pricks are we kicking against? Is it bitterness? Is there something that we're just not letting go of? You know, I, the thing that I've seen in bitterness and stuff like that is you start filtering everything through it. In other words, you get a perception of how somebody is, how somebody's going to treat you, and no matter what they do, you're filtering it through that, that prism. I mean, they can walk up to you and offer you the keys to a brand-new Cadillac Escalade, and your thoughts would be, I bet you they know there's a defective airbag in there, and they're hoping I'll hit a bump, and it'll just blow metal shards all through my chest. You know, <laughs> you know, there's got to be something here, you know, because everything's filtered through that prism. Until we get rid of the bitterness. The other person may have legitimately done something, but that's what they've got to deal with, with the Lord. And he's going to deal with them about it. But how we deal with it, and until we deal with it, there's no chance for reconciliation. The other person could be totally wrong and everything else, but how I filter that is going to work on me, and I'm just going to be kicking those pricks. And, and there's so many different areas of our life you know, that we could sit here for hours and stuff like that. But the key is when the Holy Spirit, God never spanks a child that he doesn't explain to us in our hearts why we're getting spanked. And the thing I've learned, when something comes into my life that's challenging to me, the first thing I do is do a little mental inventory. And if there's something in my life that I know isn't pleasing to the Lord, then, okay, I know why this is happening. I'm getting the pricks. Now, i got a choice. I can either say, yes, sir, Lord, I'm going to put my shoulders back into the plow and we're going to fix this, or I can kick against the pricks. I've got a choice to make in the matter. But when I go through the mental inventory and I can't think of anything that I'm doing wrong, then it's just one of the trials God's letting into our life. But he's using that to guide and direct us in some direction. He's trying to improve our life by bringing about a modification some way, somehow, because we can claim Romans 8, 28, if we love the Lord and we're doing what we're supposed to do, that he's going to take everything and make it work out for good. So the thing is, though, since we the Scriptures teaches that we're all going to see the chastisement of the Lord, if we're saved, you're going to get chastised. When it happens, when the pricks hit you, you got a choice. Are you going to humble yourself and get back into the work Whatever it is, is you need to correct. You're going to put your shoulders to the plow. Or are you going to kick against the pricks? It's painful. Uh, there just can't be a clear illustration of you're either digging. The, you know what the old saying, if you find yourself in a hole, what's the first thing to do? Quit digging. Quit digging. And uh, so the thing is, we all have to just evaluate things. Notice something else with me. Did God know Saul's name? 
Yeah. I am so thankful that we have a God that knows each one and every one of us by name. And he loves us. He wants to save us. He wants us to not continue to hurt ourselves. If we will allow him, he wants to guide us and, and take care of us. He's a wonderful heavenly father. But at the same time, like any other father that's worth his salt, he has expectations for his children. He wants to see others come to the saving knowledge of Christ. And so because of that, he's going to have to correct us sometimes because our old nature rises up and gets us in trouble. The thing that we need to do is just make sure we don't get, we, we're going to get the pricks, just don't kick against the pricks. I want to thank you all for your attention tonight.